Welcome to Taiwan Brief, the show where we go into issues impacting Taiwan on a deeper level. I'm Donovan Smith in Taichung, Taiwan, and I'll be your host today. All right, the next show will focus on the Taichung 2 by-election, which may see a big blow delivered to the black faction. But when writing that article up, it struck me that a lot of people might not actually know what the patronage factions are. So I created this to give people a basic background. It's not extensive and there are things not included, but this should serve as a workable backgrounder. If you already know about the factions and maybe skip to the next show where I do the political analysis on Yen Kuanhang's race. So that's something to check out. Anyway, that'll be out soon. So those who follow the news may have noticed that the Guomindang candidate in the Taichung 2 by-election, Yen Kuanhang, is often referred to as being from the Taichung Black Faction. Others may have noticed that former KMT chair and lawmaker Johnny Chang, or Jiang Jitsun, is affiliated with the Taichung Red Faction. Or that former KMT presidential candidate Daniel Hanguoyu, his wife, is from a Yunlin factional family. But what are these patronage factions, what do they do, and how did they come into being? It should be noted that they are generally associated with the KMT, and very different than the factions associated with the Democratic Progressive Party or the DPP, which are national and more concerned with jockeying for power within the DPP. Now, I did a show on the DPP factions a while back. If you're interested, go back and check that out. I was particularly pleased with that show, by the way, because there isn't much out there on the current state of the DPP factions, and I put in a lot of work into that show. So, when the KMT arrived from China in the late 1940s and brought their government with them, they faced several problems. One was that very few of them spoke any of the native languages used in Taiwan, nor Japanese, which was still widely understood by Taiwanese at the time. Another was pressure from the Americans and some within their ranks to hold elections. While the KMT filled up the national government with exiles from China, they needed locals to help them administer local governments at the ground level. Now, their authoritarian regime, of course, had no desire to allow any rivals to their power, so they needed a system they could control. At the time, the only political parties allowed were the KMT, and KMT-controlled small parties brought over from China, which most people don't remember now. But that's actually similar to the situation over in China today, which has a gaggle of small parties that basically are the Chinese Communist Party puppets. One of which, by the way, is the Guomindang over in China, which is different from the Guomindang here, although there may be some similarities in their loyalties. But no new political parties were allowed to form under the KMT during the martial law era, but independent candidates did run and sometimes won. Uh, most famously, for example, winning the mayorship of Taipei City at one point. But anyway, the system the KMT created was to let candidates run for office in local governments, but almost all were party members. Now, those party members split into factions, usually two or more, that would often run against each other to win elections. They varied around the country, but a common pattern was for there to be two or three factions in each county or major city. They sometimes bore the names of particular families, but many were named red, black, or white. Interestingly enough, after the color of their marketing materials in the first election they ran in. To keep them under control, the KMT strictly forbade them from expanding outside of their locality for fear they could form a national challenge to their power. 
So, for example, the red and black factions in Taichung County couldn't cooperate with their counterparts in, say, Zhanghua. The factions were able to largely keep independent candidates at bay through patronage and vote buying. They would control local agricultural and fishing associations, as well as local credit cooperatives and other sources of ready cash. Combined with the levers of power and government, they were able to deliver the goods to their constituents in ways that independent candidates could not. Sometimes, like in Taichung County from 1972 until the county merged with Taichung City in 2010, except for a very interesting race in 1997, the red and black factions would cooperate and alternate the top positions of county commissioner and speaker of the city count of sorry the county council. In other locales, they vied fiercely with each other and often violently. By the 1980s and 90s, the factions more closely resembled organized crime outfits than groups of politicians. Violence and assassinations abounded, and they were associated with a wide range of criminal activities. I personally recall seeing piles of cash at two of my workplaces, huge piles of cash, all 500 NT bills, by the way, which were run by the wives of factional politicians in Zhanghua County. When I asked them what it was for, and I said, oh, is that for me? They, They told me what it was for, and they cheerfully said, buying votes, as if it were no big deal at all. And back then, it really wasn't. Some estimates put the percentage of elected officials with a criminal record around that time as high as 30%. Now, on a side note, one of the factional polls I worked for in Hemei Township in Zhanghua County liked to take me out drinking, and I got to see a lot of carousing lifestyle. I did a show with Michael Turton where I went into that in some detail. For a variety of factors, their power has been waning since the late 1990s. In major urban areas and among younger voters, there was little enthusiasm for voting for them, leaving them primarily based in more rural counties. As democracy took hold in the 1990s, the relationship between the KMT elites and their local factional partners began to become more complicated. The elites were uncomfortable with the image of violence and corruption that came with the factions, and of course, by extension, that tainted the KMT brand. Various moves were made in the party to reduce the power of the factions, Though come election time, they would often renew their friendship once they were reminded they needed them in the first place. So it was a very tense relationship. In a few cases, factions or factional members defected to other parties, including the DPP in some cases, but mostly they stayed affiliated with the KMT. When the KMT tightened their party membership rules against those with criminal convictions, some joined the nonpartisan Solidarity Union, but in practice still voted with the KMT. Now, I've actually heard tell of idealistic NPSU politicians, but at least in central Taiwan, it was a kind of holding tank for KMT members too sleazy for KMT membership. Now, the government, then led by a KMT administration, also cracked down on organized crime as well as the factions. By the way, one of those justice ministers that uh, did some cracking down happened to be Mainjo, which got him a very nice reputation, but he got kicked out of his job when he actually started to make some headway. Anyway, so during the crackdown, this sent many of their leaders to jail or seeing them flee the country in the late 90s, often to China. Over time and under various administrations, some of the critical sources of funding, like the credit cooperatives, were taken out of their hands. The current administration, for example, nationalized the irrigation associations, 
though the agricultural and fishing associations still often remain in factional hands. The KMT strongly protested the irrigation associations by the Tsai administration, by the way. Opportunities for elected office also have begun to dwindle. The ending of the Taiwan Provincial Assembly, the National Assembly, and the reduction of the number of seats in the legislative yuan sharply reduced the number of job opportunities. A further blow was delivered by various county-city mergers like those in Taichung and Kaohsiung. This meant that all of these smaller cities, townships, and villages ceased to exist and their elected positions with them. So places like, say, Fengyuan City in Taichung became Fengyuan District. So today, their power is much reduced, and they still have some power remaining, including the get-out-the-vote capabilities. But in the Taichung 2, which is the next show, you'll see that they're kind of under siege. I also, by the way, have a show coming up on city-county mergers, so be sure to stick around for that. That'll be out in a couple of days, I think. All right, I'm Donovan Smith, and looking forward to next time. Sean here. Thank you for listening to our show. If you want to support us, go to report.tw, or you can visit our Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash taiwanreport. Your support will allow us to create far more new shows, get more equipment, and all that other good stuff. One of the benefits of that is we have an upcoming show regarding Wade Davis, who's the creator of Spring Scream, and that show was able to be salvaged thanks to your funding. This has been brought to you by the Taiwan Report. For more content like this, become our patron at report.tw. Oh, it's that Taiwan dog. I like my Taiwan dog.